I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms, but in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well. Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters that are now available to watch at home on streaming services. Every month we dig into the archives and watch a film that was a trailer pick. You can get access to the Satmat shows where we currently do our trailer picks at patreon.com slash the next reel. It's a great way to get an overview of everything we do here at the next reel. JJ, today we're talking about The Edge of 17. Yes, we are. This one goes back a ways. This was... Andy's pick from August 10th, 2016. So pre, pre sat Matt, it was, uh, actually the, uh, children of men episode. I think when Andy picked this one. Yes. So today, uh, May 14th, 2019 edge of 17 is available on Netflix. So yeah, back in 2016, uh, edge of 17 was released in theaters on November 18th. 
and it stayed in theaters until January 5th. So very short time, I guess maybe hitting the kids on winter break there, Christmas break. Pulled in about 14 million in the U.S. and an additional four and a half million internationally. It was available for streaming purchase, like on iTunes and other digital services, later that same January and hit Blu-ray and DVD on Valentine's Day, 2017. Got it. It didn't become straight. It didn't become available streaming on Netflix until just this February, 2019. So a good two years there out uh, on DVD and. You know, digital before hitting streaming. As far as I know, this is the first time it's now hit streaming service. I didn't think it was that old. I felt like I was remembered it like in the recent history, but that's, yeah, three years. Wow, that's amazing. I I felt the exact same way. I thought, oh, this must have just been like last year or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's been several years, uh, but it it still feels fresh to me. Um, So Andy said that... uh, back in 2016 that it was his time to watch a movie like this before his daughter got older and hit those teen years and if you've been listening to this at Matt's I think we see that he is fully into that teenagerdom at his household there Uh, and that that he thought this was going to be maybe a lesson movie for him Uh, but he said it hit all the right places for him you know the bitingly funny yet dark felt you know just like reality um and pete said he felt like that it was clearly channeling the darkness of being a teenager and i believe he was speaking from experience of having one at home as well at that point and i know i know i do i've got two of them uh well one's actually out of the house now but yeah i think i this is an interesting one to see as a parent of teenagers because i can reflect on what my memories of high school were like but then i have to look at this from the perspective of the parents in the film and am I that type of parent? Yeah. And, and there's not, I mean, if Andy was thinking it's a lesson movie and, and if you're thinking that it, there's, it's really not about the parents. There's not a whole lot of things you can learn as a parent by watching this movie. This is a movie that's really focused on the teens, I think. So uh, what what did you think of this one? I really liked it. I, I was really impressed with the script and the dialogue in particular. I was, uh, I thought, they and then the actors in their delivery of it too it was complicated emotionally because there was so much sarcasm and wry humor and a lot of sort of fake outs that were they needed to portray an emotion and then sort of reel it back very quickly because they tried to do this sort of awkward teenage thing and i felt like every actor did it and even though uh, well, I guess three years ago. Let's see. Um, Haley Steinfeld was 19 three years ago. Um, so she was still a, yeah. a teen at that time. Um, but some of the actors are much older <laughs> playing teens. Yes. So it's it's it was impressive what they did. And I think that the script was great. I, there was some innovative camera in spots too. Some thoughtful camera that didn't wasn't sort of overly uh, artistic, but did very simple things that demonstrated uh, camera art in a very special way that I, that I always grab on. Um, in, in general, I, I, I think it's a really, really good movie and really strong, a lot stronger than I would have expected. Yeah, going I, I think thoughts? this one I was expecting, well, typically with, with teen movies, you get more of the comedies and this one does, ha- I mean, it has its comic moments, but it then really, to me, balances that out with the drama of everything that is going on with Nadine. Yeah, this and is I think a dramedy, we get that. for sure. Yeah, yes, I think we're full on in, in dramedy. And it is that, you know, that other side of, of humor is the tragedy of things. And Nadine is walking that line back and forth. And 
I wasn't sure what to make of the setup of this because when you start a movie and then you immediately go back to, well, let me tell you how things started. And I thought, oh, do we need to use this device? Do we really need to set this up with Nadine walking into her teacher's classroom and talking about how she's going to kill herself? And then, oh, well, how did we get here? And I, I don't know that that's necessary in this movie to, to create the artificial tension or, or drama that we now have to do. So now we have a reason to be invested. I think Nadine is an interesting enough character and the setup that we get through the flashbacks of not having a friend and, and finding that, that close friend when she's in what, like second grade and then losing her father and everything falling apart for her. Then that happens, I think in such a compressed way that I didn't need that early setup of, oh, Nadine's life is so horrible. She's talking to her teacher about suicide. How, how did you feel about that pivot? I, well, I forgot, actually, until it came back to yeah. us. You know, I didn't even mm -hmm. realize that it was kind of flashback or however you want to see it. Because I, I just, because of what you're saying, I became so invested in the characters. And I think, actually, that's a tribute to the actors. Um, I think yes. it may have been written with this particular convention, not knowing what they were going to get when they put everything together. The budget for the film was $9 million. This, they have a great yeah. cast and they performed spectacularly well. Um, and I think, I think maybe they didn't have a sense of how compelling Nadine was going to be, but Haley Steinfeld was pretty much pitch perfect. She could have been a little, a little bit more uh, over the top in places, but she was great. And I was invested in her extremely early and then putting her in with Haley Lou Richardson as they just start to sort of create that outsider, but important bond friendship. I was bought in the entire time. So I think for the reasons you're mentioning, I totally get why it feels out of place. But that being said, I had forgotten that it was happening. And when it came back, it wasn't a bother to me, but I, th I agree with you. I don't think it's necessary because the actors were so good in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's not something that takes away from it, but when, now that I'm aware of it, I thought, Oh, don't shortchange yourself. You, That's you didn't need it. Um, it is nice when it comes back to it, you're like, Oh yes. Okay. Cause it is, you know, fairly late in the movie. We're, Oh, okay, here's where we are. Right. Um, and I think this is, you know, it's a credit to writer-director Kelly Freeman Craig. Uh, this was, this is her first, uh, first film she directed. She had previously written, um, a short film and then a, a feature called Post Brad, that was, and I think Pete mentioned this when they were talking about the trailer. Uh, this was uh, back in 2009 with Alexis Bledel oh. uh, about a graduate who then has to move back in with her parents because she's trying to find the right job, all of that. Not a movie I remember much about, uh, but I would say for directing your own script, I think that was the touch that was really needed with this for, for Kelly Freeman Craig to, to know this story, to be really, un to understand these characters and be able to bring that to life with these actors. And uh, what a great cast that she, she put together with this, uh, you know, to, to get this cast. But again, I think uh, in doing a little bit of research, this was a pro this was a spec script that she had sent uh, to James L. Brooks, sort okay. of, you know, thinking this is, you know, this is somebody that has inspired her and she took a shot. And this is one of those rare stories where, where it came off. And when you get somebody like that to, to be attached to your project can really help get things done correctly. Yeah, I think that you mentioned the cast. I I don't think there's a weak link in it. I mean, and I didn't know everybody 
uh, coming to it, and uh, in particular Hayden uh, Zito playing Irwin. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought he was fantastic. Of course, he was 31 when they made this movie, but beyond <laughs> that, I mean, just it, it, I I just was so impressed with the cast, and I, I I really applaud the script. I think the script was really well written, and it shows that she was really well connected with her actors to get this sort of complicated or, or complex humor delivered in a way that was entertaining the whole way through. I, th- I thought it was spectacular. Well, it's a, it's a unique take on a story for a sort of teenage comedy drama. We, we don't have, you know, it, as you're going through, it's really very much a character piece about Nadine. We don't have a, a big plot of like, oh, getting ready for the prom with everybody push, every, all the stories pushing towards one pivotal moment. It's really a character centered piece. It's not about, uh, oh, the meet cute and we're going to see how this relationship plays out. It's really about Nadine and the journey that she goes on, which I think can make it a bit of a challenging film if you're expecting something lighter, if you're expecting something simpler uh, with this. Yeah, it's not. We have. We have, you know, Nadine and as we briefly discussed, you know, we've got, you know, this point where we see she's got this best friend, Krista, that they've known each other a long time. And we see that uh, Nadine loses her father um, and the dynamic set up early on that she and her mother don't get along. Her brother is like, you know, Mr. Perfect. Everything goes her way, his way. And all she's got is her dad. That, right she really connects with she loses him and then we jump forward several years later she's she's making it through but it's it's krista is really that foundational relationship it's just that's the only person in her life and when she loses krista to her brother um that's when i think nadine's world starts unraveling and throughout this we we do have these these great scenes with um her teacher mr mr bruner uh, played by Woody Harrelson, and the dynamic between those two is, I think, just one of the one of the joys in this movie for me because they're so smartly written. There's there's sarcasm between the Constant. two. Constant she comes sarcasm. in. She she comes in. She is always there at lunch because she has no one else, and he, you know, will just throw the sarcasm right back at her, and it's this this banter back and forth between the two of them. Hey, so uh, just a heads up, but yesterday when you were giving your lecture, you were like, oh, blah, 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 then the North seceded from the Union. You meant to say the South seceded. You accidentally said the exact opposite. I didn't want to raise my hand and be, oh, excuse me, these kids are pretty confusable. Just thought maybe you'd want to know. Oh, hey. Yeah. <clears throat> Great catch. Now, I know that it was a long lecture and we probably don't recall, but uh, was there any point during it where you thought to yourself, gosh, I wonder what it's like to actually have a life? Nope. No, I was too concentrated on how you're effing the whole thing up, so. Well, I understand that, but just know that I haven't given up hope. Not yet. Okay. You start to see he's aware of the role that he's playing in her life. Yeah. And we get that much, much later on. But it's at first it's, oh, it's these lighter moments when we're dealing with, you know, the drama at home with her brother and losing her best friend to her brother. And then, of course, drama with mom, who, you know, is this, the challenges of a single parent. We have all of those things going on with, with Nadine trying to hold her life together and everything slipping through her fingers. 
And everything culminates in a really bad decision she makes with, you know, the the hot guy that came back from Juvie. Um, <laughs> wait, and, wait, is there, he did come back from Juvie? I didn't notice that. I didn't that, know he was a bad guy, too. That, is that well, hidden in there? He was, it's, it, it's early on when uh, Nadine and Krista, they're, they're just talking. And she's like, oh, no, no. yeah, no, they just talk. She's like, oh, my gosh, he's so much hotter since he came back from Juvie. <laughs> yeah, so he's sort of the, I wonder if that was sarcasm bad boy. Too. I don't know. I, I thought it's, that it's, it's scene, the re- yeah. well, first of all, it holds up because it's a social media trip up, right? She puts something explicit over social media as an invitation to this yeah. bad guy. And it holds up because it, though it's not the same as the world is, you know, even three years later, those, the, the issues are still there. So I think that's amazing that it holds up in that way. And then the way it's experienced both from the teenage girl and from the teenage boy's perspective, it seems very real. Um, it, it seems like something that would actually happen and you, it, it's not something that's likable. It's a super awkward position that they that they've actually unfortunately put each other in and they're reacting to one another and it of course breaks down because it's terrible and she does it impulsively when she feels uh, lonely and terrible but it's just the fact that it's examining that and the fact that it does it in such a smart way is is really special about this movie and those kind of things don't usually hold up even for three years those kind of things usually are of the moment and then they're gone and this is a really nice uh, it's a nicely written scene that can that can really resonate with kids even today. Yeah, and I it I, I really appreciate what you're you know what you're latching onto in there is that it's it's his side as well because he's got this line where he's like ah oh, you know I should have listened to my friends and it's not that I didn't hear him, him say that, that. that's human, great yeah it gives him that human side too of, okay, here's this girl. She's throwing herself at me. She sends me this really explicit text message and he's like, okay. And then we get that side of just, there's so many great silences in that scene where she's like, she finally says no. And he's like, fine. And then he's just there and he's just stewing. And like, what is he supposed to, how is he supposed to react to her? And we get that sense of, you know, everybody sort of thinks Nadine's a little bit of a psycho because she just is so impulsive and making all these bad decisions. And it's, he's, he's not the bad guy in the scene. I mean, he, he, he starts to put a move on her. She's like, no, then she feels bad. She starts kissing him on the neck. So he starts moving in again and she's like, no. And then she mocks his car <laughs> inadvertently. And, and that's the thing <laughs> inadvertently by being specific. That, and that oh, is I, the here great we are. <laughs> thing about this script because she, it, it, and Haley Steinfeld delivers it so perfectly. She is this character who would in an ironic way, bring up the specificity of his old used car, which I don't, I had an Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme when I was in high school that was completely mockable in the same kind of way. I loved it, and I would have probably taken it personally in the same way that he did. But she delivers this line where it's completely just ironic, specific. It's just consistent with her character, and he takes it. Uh, he takes it as a as a as mocking, and it's so perfect, and it's delivered really well. That that scene really highlights how well written and how well performed this script is in this movie. Wait, it's a Mercury Marquis. Mercury Marquis. Uh, Mercury Marquis. And of course, yes. if, you're, if you're Nadine, of course you re- remark about the fact that you're sitting pulled up to a dumpster in a Mercury Marquis for the for literally the, the first time she's ever kissed a boy. And he's, but the stuff she said in her social media post was a lot more racy than that. So, yes. What, yeah, yeah. I, it's a wonderfully yes. awkward and terrible teenage situation. It has so many of those true moments. The other when she's on the Ferris wheel with with Irwin yeah. and she 
<laughs> just a great moment where she's like, oh, tell me about your parents. Oh, wait, wait, let me guess. And then then spools out a bunch of things and then thinks, oh my gosh, did that just come off as horribly racist? Because, you know, Irwin's, you know, clearly have some Asian descent there. And she's like, am I throwing these stereotypes out? And he's like, no. And then awkward moment and then he moves in to kiss her and it's just the worst it's the worst most awkward thing they also have another awkward moment when she's over at his house in the pool yeah i mean it's just the awkwardness of teenagers trying to trying to be mature trying to make smart choices for themselves and it just back trying to learn the difference between horribly. flirting yeah. and yes. uh, affiliating i mean that's the thing yes. i, I yeah. mean i think nadine sees it as just you know sort of playful affiliation in Irwin's case and right. but he they don't know each other they like and and we think yeah. about what it's like to be a teenager and you rush everything you you move to the state of intimacy in such a short amount of time because you're only in high school for either 3 or 4 years so yeah. you're experiencing a uh, a lifetime of uh, those attempts at affiliation and flirtation and really becoming a, a grown up in such a short amount of time. This movie does such a good job of showing that. And again, it is the teen story. I don't think, I, I don't know. Did you, did you take away any parenting lessons from this movie? No, no. Well, the parents, I mean, cause the parents make bad mistakes and that's the other yeah. part of this dynamic is Nadine is being that teenager, but then her brother Darian has been forced to grow up early. And there's a great scene where, you know, Nadine and her mom have gotten into that fight and Nadine takes the car and takes off. And that's, this is when she's running off to her, her date with the bad boy in the Mercury Marquis. And Darren comes home and, and mom is just like, you know, ready to throw everything of Nadine's out of the house. And he's trying to calm her down. And she's like, look, I'm the parent here, you know? And he's like, well, then why do you always call me? Right. You know, and it's like, she's, she's, he's her go-to person he's the dad surrogate he's the he's the dependable one and we see that all throughout uh as much as nadine you know is just offended by everything about him he's been forced to grow up and just be the responsible one in the family because mom isn't mom takes off with the dentist uh who's married we later find out so mom's not making smart choices nadine just has trouble communicating with people and so darian's like the foundation for that family. Everyone so is coping they, in their own yes. way and they're doing it in it, very slot with very sloppy results. Exactly. So I guess the, I mean, the parenting skill is don't treat your teenagers like they are adults. That, don't put that on them that's because, true. you know, we, we, we don't really get a lot of insight into, to Darian and how he's carrying that. But there is one, at one point where he and Nadine get into a fight and Nadine talks about this, she tells the story of when, I think it's like the the day of or the night they lost their dad and how she, you know, heard Darian crying and just horribly, you know, tears soaking his pillow and that she swapped pillows with him. Right. And then she decides to throw that in his face and say, well, I wish you loved me that much. Mm. And, the, and honestly, from an emotional perspective, <laughs> yeah. I don't think yeah. that's throwing that in his face because she really believes that she really wants that. Right. No, she does. You know, she and does, that's the he, thing. He, like, yeah. <laughs> They have such an inability to communicate because everyone is dealing right. with these different coping skills. It's like, yes, that's and true. again, it just goes back to how well the yeah. script is written because this is all very real. This is the kind of stuff you people do when they're coping with trauma like this. And it's, it's touch and go. 
it's touch and go all through those years. And I, you know, it's, it's scary for me. I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. So I'm thinking about what's, what's coming up for them. And I'm just trying to, you know, lay the groundwork to make them feel as comfortable and adjusted as possible so that they don't have to go through this kind of coping skills. But life is sometimes inevitable. There's not a whole lot you can do. You have to figure out a way to get through. Right. And I think that comes down to, you know, again, the relationship with the teacher. And when she has her, her night goes horribly wrong, the date goes horribly wrong. She runs off to the donut place and she calls somebody yeah. and we get sort of the reveal, you know, she's in there. We hear the, the door chime and she looks up and it's like, and it's been set up where, you know, it's probably not mom. It might be her brother that's come to get her because we nah. know he's been out looking for, but when Woody Harrelson walks in there, it's like, okay, we, we know who the, she sees as the, the stable one, even right. though she mocks him all the time. And we get some insight into his family life, which is completely different. Yep. You know, it's, I think every student goes through that point where you see your teacher as one person, if you ever encounter them in their real life out with family or something like that. And she gets that insight by seeing, oh, he has a wife and he's got a little kid. He's got this, this happy family and he's happy at home. He's yep. got a nice relationship with his wife. He's, you know, not a disgruntled, angry loner. Right. He's a, he's a contented, you know, family man. But when he drives her home and it's, it's this writing again with the sarcasm where he basically says, well, you know, there's, you know, we both know there's one thing that you need to do right now. <laughs> Get out of my car. <laughs> right. um, but the, the sort of the subtext behind that is she's got to go in the house. Yeah. She, you know, he's driven her home. She's, she's got to get out of his car. She's got to walk into the house and she's got to deal with these things, right. which she's been avoiding. You know, it's, that's the message I'm taking away from this is he's telling her, you've got to confront this. You've got to go pe be part of that family and figure out how to make this work. By saying sarcastically, get out of my car. Yeah. And it has a little bit of that Aaron Brockovich feeling where the people that she has to rely on to get to where she needs to be are also, if you look at it objectively, potentially threats in her life, too. And the beauty of the, both stories, one of the things I love about Aaron Brockovich and one of the things I love about this story is that all the characters and all the people in these stories, really the people characters in these stories, take, have the courage to make the connection, to reach out in a situation where it, it, it could end poorly in, in lots of different ways. But they have the courage to, to ask for help and the help comes to them and they're able to overcome through it. And that's, that was one of the things that I thought was really great in the story. We often talk about who, who's a, who's the audience for this movie. And I don't, I, I know it's not, well, is it teens? Is it parents? Is it people that are in between that it's a nostalgic look at high school in a realistic way? That's sort of uh, nice to like, look back and see how you've grown past that. Um, you know, wh where do you see this one falling? Because I think that maybe the struggle with a film like this that is so smartly written and has these great characters with complex things, who is that real specific audience to connect with? Well, I would think teens for sure, uh, especially intelligent teens who review art. It, with a with a very sort of discerning eye because they're going to like the dialogue they're going to like the depiction i think it's real for us maybe I, I and i might be too old to really understand if it's real for today's teen so maybe i shouldn't speak that way but i think that is a great eye the other thing is i think if you like uh romantic comedies or uh ro dramedies if you're an adult who likes dramedies this movie is going to resonate with you too um when i think about it this kind of going back to another trailer rewind movie. Who did you think would have been the right audience for the bachelors, for example? 
Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because with that. yes, because yeah, I think it, same. It works both ways, and I think this movie is superior yeah. to The Bachelors. You know, I didn't like The Bachelors as much, but I think this this is the same sort of thing where you're getting a lot of that drama, and then you have this sort of uh, clever clever dialogue throughout. And I'm a big fan of clever. Clever goes a long way with me. Um, if if you like that sort of thing, this movie is going to be great for you. Um, and I think so. I think it does work for adults, um, but a lot of uh, sort of maybe uh, mainline or uh, people who think of uh, mainstream movies as adults are going to see this and just think it's a it's a teens movie too. Yeah, and I I think this I mean th- this type of movie is right in my wheelhouse. And as I've been saying for years, it's like a it's another golden age for teens. Of except we've got more than John Hughes. You've got so many you know solid you know writers and directors that are treating teens respectfully and and their problems and challenges. And I think that's one of the great things with. You know, in the character of Nadine, it's it's the universal plight of of the American teenager of you know feeling alone and and disconnected and things don't go your way all of the time. That oh my gosh, there's so so many great moments. You're just you yeah. know praying to God about how everything just goes wrong and then no toilet paper. Yep. I mean, yeah. But then layered in with everything that's contemporary for teens that they're going to identify with, you know, the, the text messaging, all of those things where it's, it's integrated well and it, it still feels timeless because it's just, that's the means of communication now. And it works for me. It it works well with this. And I think we're able to take those, those contemporary devices and put them into this, you know, character piece. And it works so well to give us everything that we need to see the struggles, um, the Nadine faces. It is what's great is it. There's not a lot of total pop culture references. There's a there's a Napoleon Dynamite piece, uh, you know, I early on it. with her with her hair when she's holding up the magazine oh, with Pedro. Yeah, from yeah, yeah. Napoleon Dynamite. Right, and she's just like, yes, I look exactly like Pedro. What else could go wrong in her life? I remember. So that it's now. not. It's it. And I guess you pick something like Napoleon Dynamite, which in of itself is sort of a you know, sort of cultural touchstone for kids that, you know, 10 years down the road, I think people will still know who know, know that movie. It's, it's a classic or, or those intelligent teens are going to be aware of that film, but it's not going to be one of these where you look at it and say, Oh, the, the dialogue feels so much of an era because it's using little, you know, phrases of that time. It's, it's able to really stride that, that line between the universal, but still being relevant for teens where they can, they're going to identify with specific things. I, I don't know what year this movie takes place in. It, we, don't, we don't give us. I don't either. I, it is. Well, yeah, it is. Which, it does take place in Oregon. I'll tell you that. So okay, Manzanita, okay. where she goes with the dentist, is on the coast oh, of yes, Oregon. Right. And the phone number, whose phone number is it? Is 541, which is outstate, out, out, of, the, okay. out of the city, which is great. Although it, it was very clearly filmed in California uh, by a number of different <laughs> things when you have the yeah. Newport address on the wall and things like that. But it wasn't a problem. Oh, yeah. I, I really liked that. Yeah. Um, you said that this movie's in your wheelhouse. Have you seen with uh, Haley Lou uh, Five Feet Apart? No. Five Feet Apart just that was just out this year. Haley Lou Richardson. Yeah, that's the one with the the kids with cystic fibrosis. Um, fibrosis, and they can't. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that one's a, that one's a little too much melodrama for me. And I it think is. That's it's more melodrama <laughs> and it's more tragic. It it digs yeah. much deeper. It, um. But it's meant to, and it's uh, it's for the same sort of crowd. And I will tell you, 
I really like Haley Lou Richardson. I think she's fantastic. And you know, we've got Haley Steinfeld as the lead in this movie, and she's yeah. already kind of a bona fide superstar, right? I mean, she's right. a multi yes. multi art uh, performer. She does music. She does all, and she's fantastic in this movie. And it, so I, I will leave her at that. But Haley Lou Richardson is is coming up, and this movie Five Feet Apart was was really great. It's a little bit melodramatic, and there's some points in it that you get kind of frustrated with how the story mm-hmm. takes it and seems very, you know, unrealistic, but it's that kind of teen melodrama. And if the, if this is in your wheelhouse, I really, and if you liked Haley Lou Richardson, I think it would be a great movie to go see. Because I'm only familiar with her with the other movie she was in in 2016 as one of the cheerleaders in Split. Yeah, that's right. Gosh, that's amazing that she was there too. Yeah, I think she's going to do a lot so, of a lot of things. I think she's going to be really good. No, I think yeah, I, like we said, all the performances here. It's it's the right people, the right just everything is so spot on. It's so great to see and refreshing to see a movie like this that is, I think, smart writing. The performances are right there. It's one that, um, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to be watching it all of the time, but I could imagine like my 15 year old self really enjoying this movie. Yeah. Uh, tremendously. But it reminds me of things like I'll always come back to like me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Sure. Um, eighth grade from last year. Uh, again, just, you know, really being respectful of teens and giving weight to their. Uh, you know, the challenges of, uh, you know, the, the darkness and to, to show them that it's possible to get through these things that, you know, how devastating these things are. You, you will survive, you will endure, you will make it to the other side of these. And things. we end up seeing a lot of movies like this on trailer rewind. And I think a lot of that yeah. is because, you know, this is a $9 million budget made $14 million on the screen. Yeah. They're not ones that uh, definitely grownups like us would go to choose to go see. I was kind of surprised that I went and saw five feet apart in the theater. But the the thing about it is, is that they're available on Netflix and we'll, we've done, you know, lean on Pete. We've done, we talk about the bachelors. Yeah. We've talked, we've talked about these kind of movies. They are available on streaming services and it's a great thing for kids of that age. I would say anywhere from maybe 15 to 22 could really enjoy oh, yeah. seeing this movie. So I, I, I'm going to recommend it to people. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of 15 to 22 year olds, but um, <laughs> I'm going to recommend it to people as something, again, one of those surprising movies that, we, that we've that we found through Trailer Rewind. Also, we didn't mention Kira Sedgwick. Um, you know, talking oh, about the gosh. mom played by Kira Sedgwick. I love Kira Sedgwick. Uh, she, this is an interesting role for her because I feel like she always kind of plays a likable person and she's really a mess uh, in this movie and it's really hard to like her um but again i think she does a great job with the material um plays a layered role of a mom who cares but also is struggling with her own uh, coping of the tragedy that's in her life i was really happy with her in this yeah that's that's one scene that really you know there's these moments and there's just that, that one scene at the office with mom where we sort of this is the this is the breaking point for Nadine where she, that's where she takes off. But the nature of that argument and how we we start off with just Nadine being Nadine, and then slowly building um, to the point where Mom finally breaks and 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 pulls out like, like the most brutal the the deepest of of cuts. To say, you know, because she knows, because it starts with, you know, a comment about her husband and then Dean takes offense like, well, you can get a new husband. I can't get a new dad. If my husband had any idea what I was going to have to deal with. 
love how you refer to him as your husband. He is my husband. You can run off and get a new husband. What he is is my dad. Can't you just say that occasionally? Fine. We're not talking about him right now. Because it's just too upsetting. It's too hard and too sad and it gives me a cluster headache. I know. Oh my god. You have no compassion. Actually, I'm just bored because I know everything you're gonna do before you do it. Sure you do. Oh, you don't believe me? No, I don't. I'm gonna write down the next thing you're gonna say to me. I'm not gonna play your little little games, games, Nadine. Nadine. Congratulations. Mm. All right, you know what? Here's something you're not gonna guess. Hmm. Your dad would be so disappointed in the way you're turning out. She, I mean, that's a that's a mom. She she knows, and it can be. It's, like, a, it's a mom it, who's acting like a child. Let's say that first yes. of all. No, exactly, because we're now operating in teenager mode. Mom is right. operating at the level of Nadine, and it's like, well, you hurt me. I'm going to do everything I can to hurt you, and she pulls out the the big guns on that one, and it was just. Yeah, it's it's these dynamics. And it's that, also indicative um, of Nadine throughout the story. She doesn't realize, yes. as a teen, she doesn't realize how much the things she says, the way she acts, affects other people. Um, and that's where Woody Harrelson's role is so wonderful because he is seemingly immune to it, right? So we get that sort of control. And then all these other people are so greatly affected by Nadine because she's morose. She's she's going through life and she's really, her coping skill is trashing everyone around her. And she doesn't yes. realize that. And that's really Really the arc that her character goes through this um, that she understands her power and she kind of turns it around and starts using it for good i think i think yes. it's a beautiful story yeah. for uh, teens dealing with trauma yeah so so based on your glowing reviews there where does this end up for you on your flick chart well before we talk about that i want to say one other thing so um okay all right. One thing I want to make sure that we talk about, I, I did have a favorite camera shot in this movie. I don't always oh, yes. have a favorite camera shot, um, but true. there were a lot of very subtle, and I like that they're subtle, but they're all so artful shots in this movie that are kind of like candy. And if you go back and review a second time, which I don't know that you or I are, uh, you or I are going to do through this, but uh, there's a scene where uh, when Krista is with Darian, they've already separated from Nadine. Nadine is sitting and watching TV. I can't remember what she's watching on TV. She's watching a cartoon I think gosh I don't remember but she's sitting and watching a TV laying down on the couch and Krista and Mm -hmm. Darian come in and it starts with a wide shot and you see them come into the stairwell and it stays on them but then it goes back to Nadine who's our main character right this is her story and in the shot you've you've got a, a clear resolution tight focus on Nadine's face and through the bars of the stairwell you can see Krista's legs and Darian's legs as they pause on the staircase to basically regard Nadine, but they're separated at this point. And then they just Mm -hmm. go up. And as they go up, the camera then moves uh, on the Z-axis. So going up it and then tilts down and also then widens out. And the camera in this movie tons of times was using isolating Nadine in a scene by herself with a wide shot to show how alone she felt. And this, mm-hmm. from that moment, gave us how close these super important people were in her life. Oh, yeah. And as they walk away, how she just is left with this empty feeling. And it's done by the movement of the camera. It's beautiful. It's I mean, it's super short. This whole sequence is maybe uh, 15, 20 seconds, but it's uh, 
this is the kind of stuff that I see as sort of brilliant subtlety in movies. And you don't get that in everything. So this, in this little no. teen movie, yeah. I mean, I had multiple times that I was blown away. That was my favorite, favorite shot because the camera move meant something to the story. And I loved that. So I definitely want to talk about that. Being aware of things like that makes the end even more so when you when you notice it's it's at the at the film festival and she's you know there as sort of like well i'm going to try to make things up uh so i'm going to go to the early morning film festival and all of that and, and see Irwin's film and then she and Irwin have a have a have their discussion a moment but then he invites her over to the friends yeah. and he he walks in and she sort of backs up yep. to, to stay outside the circle and he grabs her and pulls her in to be part of the circle now, and are, everything. And are then you we, gonna share we this close movie with the... your girls? Oh yeah. So yes, if you watch it yeah. again, I think they did a trick in that scene. So as he reaches back okay. and invites her into the circle, which is just a beautiful, just subtle blocking thing to show how much she's changed, I believe they put a light on her. And I oh, and I would probably. love to know if yeah. throughout the film she's sort of gaunt and dark because it is yeah. a really warm yellow light. And it is as if yeah. it's even making me emotional to just talk about it. it is as if the sun rises on Nadine in that moment. Yes. And it's the final. I mean, it's, yeah. the, it's the end of the movie. It's the final thing we're going to see. Right. And how wonderful to go through this whole thing with Nadine and then for her to join here like you're talking about. What a great step. And to do it in what feels like a practical way. And if they didn't put a light on it. Gosh, Haley Steinfeld sure decided to glow in that <laughs> moment because it was fantastic. Yeah, and that's that's and it, that's the other part is it ends right when it needs to. Yeah, because it's not about necessarily a boy saving her or having to be in a relationship, giving her life meaning or anything. It's it's stepping in and being part of a community. It's community. It's, it's, I love it. Yep, you know, not being alone anymore because as we as you said, yeah, that, that you know shot. Uh, now shows she is so isolated. Even when people are near her, she is alone. And now she is, you know, stepping in and and engaging in conversation with a group of people. So, yep. yeah, I will. I will take a look. Um, yeah, because my oldest comes home next week, and we may, it may be, it may be uncomfortable with some <laughs> well, of the explicit yes. language, but right. we will, we will, and the subject matter, and we will, we will get through that. Yes, we will. Good. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Flick chart. Okay. Where, where are you going to put this one? It's where did it end weird. up? And it's funny that you bring up Split. <laughs> I, did, I didn't remember that Haley okay. Richardson was in that, but she's like one of my new favorites. But Split is my midway point. So Split is the thing oh, that okay. always puts something on the top of the bottom. So I didn't put it over mm. Split. So it goes down a little bit, but not too much farther. Ah. It's number 109 out of 200. And, it, okay. you know, you think about this as a 2016. It's a young person movie. It is just yeah. below the abyss. I mean, how do you, you can't, this and the abyss, they're two <laughs> completely different realms. And then wow. above yeah. National Lampoon's Vacation. So you've got like these two classics of, of genre movies that are totally grown up movies. And it's sandwiched in between there. And really the reason that I put it over Vacation is because I value clever more than I value funny. And I do think Vacation is funny, but this is so clever and deserves some respect there. So I put it at 109 out of 200. How about you? Okay. Mine's, mine's a little higher than that. Oh, I, good. My, my entry point on flick chart right now is Elf, ah, which okay. I really enjoy. But again, I think it's the, the which is a fun movie. And, and you know, Edge of 17 is, it's hard to say it's a fun movie, but it, it's a more rewarding view. Again, I'll probably watch Elf. That becomes a Christmas classic. I'm not going to watch Edge of 17, but I always give more weight to 
a story that's going to tackle something of this. That's got it's got something important to say. It's it's I think going to be valuable to people. Uh, so it ended up really strange place uh number 94 okay just above dodgeball which is one of my (laughs) all-time favorite comedies but then just below a film i watched last week um leave no trace which is at number 93 oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, that's ben foster right yeah. 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 So, Love but this guy, is, too. I mean, my top hundred, it's getting pretty tight up there. And then just above that is Sing Street, which <laughs> I could say, okay, yes, yes, there we are. We're right in the, this is the little bit of the darker side, but still about, you know, those, you know, sort of growing pains. So for me, this one falls, I think, full on into like four star territory. Yeah. I'm me. doing three for and a half one. for me too. I, okay. I was a three before we had this conversation and I'm realizing that I liked it a lot more than that. Um, I'm sure that the algorithm would put me at about three, but I think it's three and a half for me. It's tough to compare it to the other movies that I have in that sort of three, three and a half range, but it's, it's deserving of a view. I think that if these kind of movies, you mentioned they're in your wheelhouse, if you like these kind of movies yeah. at all, this is going to be a good movie for you. Oh yeah. I, I'd say anybody that, as you said, I think anybody in that age range, age range is going to Enjoy this movie again. It's it maybe it's one to to watch on your own. Maybe be a loner sure. like Nadine and watch this one. I don't know. That this is like get a group of friends together and watch this one because it it may unearth some some emotions in in some people. And you know, I I think that for teens, maybe just when you're feeling like you just want to spend some time with a close friend, maybe Nadine can be that awkward close friend for you. Well, I like that you uh, mentioned John Hughes this. because I think that this has yeah. the it has the clever. It has that John Hughes clever gene in it. Um, it's yeah. a little bit more uh, all over the place. You know, John Hughes is a little bit more singular and focused. But this, um, but this is maybe something like a 2016 version of a John Hughes movie. I love it. Yeah, a, a brand new 16 Candles. There we go. <laughs> 2016. All right. Well, everyone out there, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. It helps other film fans discover us. And if you want to support us on Patreon, hey, you're joining a great community of film fans, including some that are really into film as art and some that just really enjoy entertaining movies. We'd love to have you join the community. Uh, heading over to Patreon, you can always check out our SatMat episodes that are that are being posted there now. If you want to get a taste of the various types of things that uh, we talk about in the whole next real family of films because we've got the film board going on we've got the trailer rewind we've got the big show with andy and pete doing their ingrid bergman series right now so all that comes together and sam oh and the marvel movie minute yeah. we got so much stuff going on here uh, so it's a great way to get sort of a sampler plate of the buffet of things here at the next reel so i always want to give a special thanks to pete we made it tough for him tonight giving him something to, to edit together <laughs> make us sound good thank you pete we always appreciate it jj it's always a pleasure thanks man see you on the next one ando you know what i got the other day pete stephen king's latest want to borrow it do you know who you're talking to what do you mean andy when's the last time i read a paper book it's been decades i would much rather use kindle or better yet Audible. What am I thinking? I don't read paper books anymore either. I'm an audiobook guy all the way. 
For those of you looking to listen to the books behind the films we discussed on the Next Reels family of podcasts, get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at thenextreel.com slash audible. There are so many great adaptations from these podcasts available in audio form. Steve and JJ talked about a lot of great ones like Odd Thomas. Isn't that series a favorite of yours? Oh, I love me some Dean Koontz. They also covered The Two Faces of January based on Patricia Highsmith's novel. I bet the book is far better than that movie. Oof. How about the Futurological Congress by Stanislaw Lem? That was the source for that quirky Robin Wright movie, The Congress. Crazy book. Definitely worth checking out. They also covered Lean on Pete, Leave No Trace, Aniara, Papillon, The Goldfinch, The Yellow Birds, and If Beale Street Could Talk. So many great adaptations covered in so many great conversations, not just on Trailer Rewind, but all of the Next Reels family of podcasts. And you can get all of these as audiobooks on Audible, along with thousands of other great reads. Producing these podcasts is a lot of fun, but takes a lot of time. So, we're directly appealing to you, our dear listener. Please consider an Audible subscription to help support the Next Reels family of podcasts. I've been using Audible along with my family for decades now. I love it, and I've read hundreds of books through it. Couldn't be more pleased with their service, and I know you'll love it too. Head to thenextreel.com slash audible and get your free trial. It really helps us out. And you have a world of over 200,000 audiobooks open to you. So much great material available. Dive in with a free trial and get your first free audiobook at thenextreel.com slash audible. Start listening to amazing audiobooks of your favorite movie source material with your first free audiobook today. That's thenextreel.com slash audible. Audible.